Many of you have asked for it, and so I spent some of my paternity leave creating it, an introductory stoicism course. The best part? I've launched it using Gumroad's pay-what-you-want model. So if you want to pay $0, you can get the course for free. That's right, free. Learn more and enroll in the course by going to understandingstoicism.com. That's understandingstoicism.com. I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform, and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it, and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which, from personal experience, I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Good morning, Prakaptan. I am happy to report that I am home. Finally, after a month of separation from my wife due to visa and immigration requirements, I am back home in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, sitting at my kitchen counter and speaking to you in my favorite microphone of all time, my RE20 from ElectroVoice, instead of the atrocious microphone that I've been using for the past Zeus knows how many months as I've traversed every single hemisphere of the globe preparing for what I now recognize as the second act of my life, marriage and parenthood. Ross and I get our anatomy scan at the end of the month, by the way, so we'll know if little baby Mochi, which is the nickname we've given the fetus, is male or female. We're very excited. With those few life updates out of the way, how about a little praise for our newest patrons to join the actual Stoicism Patreon, the Patreon that allows you to support all the work I do across multiple blogs, publications, and this podcast, and a way for you to get access to cool things that non-patrons don't get access to, like an ad-free podcast, that's this podcast, special designations in our Discord community, and access to exclusive live events. So thank you to our newest patrons, David Vaughn and Utku Ursatine. And Utku, I hope that I have not butchered your name. I probably have, but thank you anyway. And please correct me on the Patreon so that I know how to say your name in the future. Thank you to you both for choosing to patronize my work and this podcast. I truly appreciate that support. Next up will be some ads, and then we will dive into the next meditation from Marcus Aurelius, which begins with the line, repeatedly dwell on the swiftness of the passage and departure of things that are and of things that come to be. Sounds like it'll be a good one. But first, here are those ads. This episode is brought to you in part by Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. They are, without a doubt, the easiest way to play 
DFS. It's just you versus the numbers. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. With the big game right around the corner, Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to turn every game changing moment into 100 times your money because with as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Offer expires post Super Bowl. With quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of player and stat types, it's no wonder Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. I've got friends that use Prize Picks, and they absolutely swear by it. So if daily fantasy sports is your thing, you've got to give Prize Picks a try. Go to prizepicks.com forward slash practical and use the code practical for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com forward slash practical with code practical for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Welcome back, Prakaptan. Today we're going over Meditation 23 from Book 5 of the Meditations of Marcus Aurelius, which reads as follows. Repeatedly dwell on the swiftness of the passage and departure of things that are and of things that come to be. For substance is like a river in perpetual flux. Its activities are in continuous changes, and its causes in myriad varieties, and there is scarce anything which stands still, even what is near at hand. Dwell, too, on the infinite gulf of the past and the future, in which all things vanish away. Then how is he not a fool, who in all this is puffed up or distracted or takes it hardly, as if he were in some lasting scene which has troubled him for long? Let's take this one line by line because there's a lot in it. Most of it is obvious, and a lot of it can stand alone as a thing worthy of its own reflection, but let's take it line by line anyway. Repeatedly dwell on the swiftness of the passage and departure of things that are, and of things that come to be. Only about one second of now exists. Everything else is either will be or has been. 
That's not to exclude the existence of, let's say, proximally present enough to be considered in the so-called now. Like my car might be in the shop getting some maintenance done, just as an example. And so it's an ongoing sort of thing. And so maybe it makes sense for my mind to drift towards a thought of my car and the progress it's making through its repair journey while I'm at work. And the car is not in front of me and I can't control anything that has to do with the car, but I'm still thinking about it. And that's pretty reasonable, I think. For the most part, though, if it's not happening right now, it isn't happening. It has already happened or it might maybe, perhaps, we think, happen in the future. Consider then how quickly these things that might come to be suddenly become things that are, and then in a flash become things that were. Time works fast. For substance is like a river in perpetual flux. Its activities are in continuous changes, and its causes in myriad varieties, and there is scarce anything which stands still, even what is near at hand. Dwell too, on the infinite gulf of the past and the future, in which all things vanish away. We might think that the substance Marcus is talking about here is time, but I don't think that's right. Remember in a previous episode when we talked about the pneuma, and about the tension between heat and cool in anything which has form, and how that tension determines both what object is formed and what, let's say, density of the logos that object will have? I think the substance formed by heat and coolness is what Marcus is talking about in this passage. You can think of any object as breathing, metaphorically most of the time, right? A rock doesn't breathe literally. But when we breathe in, we take in cool air, and when we breathe out, we expel warm air. That taking in of cool, warming, and then expelling the warmed air so it can become cool air again and then repeating... This is the fluxing being spoken about, I think, that everything in the universe is constantly changing and becoming slightly unlike what it was like a moment ago. There's scarce anything which stands still, he says. We've heard this sort of wisdom in Buddhist and Taoist proverbs as well, right? You can't step in the same river twice. And while that is a saying from Heraclitus and not any Buddhist or Taoist, I know you get what I'm saying. You've heard this in other places other than in the texts and canon of Stoicism. The world is constantly changing. It's permanently never as it was. And to Marcus, that might be a function of tension between heat and cool, the necessary dance of the pneuma and logos. But regardless of how he can but regardless of how Marcus conceptualized the flow of time, He knew that there was a past, a present, and a future. And he knew that the bulk of everything existed in the past and the future. And that everything is a mad dash towards or away from the present. Always moving, always changing. Then how is he not a fool who in all this is puffed up or distracted or takes it hardly as if he were in some lasting scene which has troubled him for long? Here I think we need to be careful because Marcus makes a good point, but how we make that point actionable is going to say a lot about our own character. If something has happened, or something will happen, and we have stress or worry concerning it, the way we deal with that stress or worry isn't by calling ourselves fools and masochistically bludgeoning ourselves with guilt and shame. 
nor should we bludgeon others with the same when they have stress or worry concerning the past or future. Because, for example, telling someone whose mother just died and who is wrangling with what feels to them like inconsolable grief by calling them a big, foolish baby who just needs to understand that things change and that not understanding this is silly, a fool, doesn't seem to me to be a morally appropriate way of trying to help that person through their grief. We need to decouple our intellectual understanding of what is true from how we treat ourselves and others when they or we fail to be perfect sages in real-life moments that would very much seem to warrant stress or worry. Of course, what Marcus is saying is true if we consider foolishness as another word for viciousness, and viciousness, a term used to describe an act that isn't in line with virtue, with the knowledge of how to live excellently, a person who is inconsolable in the face of great loss, be that loss of a parent, friend, or partner, isn't a sage. That's true. But Stoicism isn't about making people feel poorly because they aren't sages. It's about using our reason and logic to act in ways that move us closer to the attainment of virtue. So, yes, we are fools in that we are not sages when we are drawn into negative emotional states about the past, future, or present. Because a sage would be at one with the universe, to turn a phrase. They'd never assent to the impression that anything was sad, terrible, or damning, because they would understand existence in this sort of big-picture way where mom's not dead, she's just on to the next thing. She's in that state of flux. And what's so sad about that? And I think we would all do well to emulate this sort of thinking personally for ourselves and to help others to think in this way, because ultimately it is true, and also because it is a kind thing to help another person move on from their grief, or to protect them from feeling it in the first place by preparing them to think differently about grief-worthy things, or what we would consider to be, as non-sages, grief-worthy things. In doing this, however, and this is the caveat, in helping others to escape or avoid their grief by working to change their perspective, we must remember three important things. First, it is rarely, if ever, our business to do this directly if we are not invited to do so. Writing a blog post or creating this podcast episode is different than me walking up to you, uninvited, and lecturing you on how to process and think about grief. This is especially true in the middle of you feeling grief, or worry, or stress, or concern. Secondly, that we may not be well-equipped ourselves to do this, and we should consider our roles before electing to assume the role of, let's say, grief counselor, even when invited to assume that role. Just because we can, or just because we've been invited to, doesn't mean we should. Efficacy in our effort here matters. And I don't mean to be utilitarian on that front, but it does matter. An archer aims at the archery target. And it may be that the baker is asked to aim at the archery target. And perhaps that baker has a hobby of archery in their spare time. Or perhaps they don't. But their familiarity with archery is something worth considering, and their competency in archery is something worth considering when someone else asks them to help them by hitting a target with a bow and arrow. Or specifically, with an arrow. I guess anyone could throw the bow (laughs) and hit the target. That's my kind of archery, baby. 
And then lastly, when we do this to ourselves or for ourselves, we must first and foremost, as Stoic Prakaptan, realize that we shouldn't be doing it alone. Only the sage is fit to advise us with authority. Only the morally perfect individual. But that doesn't mean our fellow Prakaptan cannot work through our problems with us in a supportive way. And after this realization, we must never expect sagehood from ourselves, because while sagehood may be theoretically achievable, it's not appropriate to hold ourselves or have expectations of ourselves that, should we have them, would require our being a morally perfect being, a sage. So, in closing, time flies when you're doing anything. And recognizing that maybe can help you get unstuck from a particular stress or worry you're experiencing. And you should explore whether it does, especially as a Stoic. But if it doesn't, understand all that means is that you're not a sage. And then join our Discord community at stoicismpod.com forward slash Discord, link in the show notes as always, and work through those struggles with more than a thousand other not sages and see if it helps. I bet that it will. Thanks for listening today. I appreciate your time and attention as always, and I'm grateful that you keep showing up. Remember, join our Discord community at stoicismpod.com forward slash Discord. And until next time, my fellow Prakaptan family, take care. 